Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Last week, I started sharing a conversation that Beverly Shoemaker and I had. If you did not hear it, you may want to listen to it before continuing this episode. She shares the story of the loss of her son, and one of the things we talked about that she shared with us is how a mom contacted her who had lost her own son years before and talked to her about some of the things to expect and and how to get through it, and Bev shared some of those things with us. So, like I said, you may want to go back and listen to that one first. Bev's mission in life is to help others rediscover their identity and purpose after loss and trauma, after working her own way through her own traumatic losses. And she's going to share another one of those with us today, another loss that she had. So let's go ahead and get started. What we wanted to talk about today was having a life of meaning and purpose again. And when you're in the beginning of this, you feel like that's impossible. You feel like it is absolutely impossible to ever have a life of meaning and purpose again without your child. So based on what I have been hearing from you, you're saying that one of the most important ways of at least moving in that direction and having hope again, that you can even do that is to deepen your connection with God. Right. For me, that's what I did. And, and slowly but surely, the, um, the darkness started, light started to penetrate the darkness in my life. I was able to go back to work, not at the level that I, you know, I worked in ICU, I worked in ER, um, I just was loved trauma. That was what I worked in and absolutely could not do that after that. Oh, yeah. Mm. As soon as trauma would come through the door, I just would fall apart. So I recognized that in myself. And, um, ended up going into a different area and not being able to do that. And, and interestingly enough, I, this is what's crazy. I started having panic attacks about a year after Nick died, almost to the date of his anniversary death and went to the doctor and was like, giving her all these symptoms. And she, she looked at me and she said, well, you're having panic attacks. And, you know, we hear so much about PTSD and we connect mm-hmm. to the military, right? We think, oh, you have to mm-hmm. go to war. You, you know, you got to be in all these uh, really difficult, hard places. But you know what? We did go to war. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it, you yes. Know, you know, when when this was brought into our life, it was not something that we asked for. And it, and it becomes our own personal war. And then realized that the level of trauma that I experienced with that. And I think even the five days I spent in the critical care unit with him was traumatic too. Yes. And um, so, you know, just seeing my son in the bed like that, but absolutely, you know, just feeling those feelings. But then when that starts to lift and realizing, I think I'm going to be okay. I think I'm going to make it Um, for me, again, another divine appointment was I was placed in front of a, oh, actually my husband and I had gone camping in an RV and we were camped next to this man who built a ranch down in Southern Colorado for our veterans. And was, he's a Vietnam veteran and he was blown up in the Vietnam war. Um, Dave Reaver was his name. If you, many people. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) So 
So I had seen him on TV and I was like, oh, that's cool, you know, having the military connection with my son. And we actually were parked or camped next to the contractor building the ranch, got into a conversation and he was like, hey, do you want to go? Do you want to go on a tour? And my sister-in-law, whose husband was a Vietnam vet, was there with me and her and I went um, over on that tour, actually met Dave there. Um, It had been three years, um, I think, since um, I had lost Nick. And as I shared my story with him, he had said, you know, I really want to mentor you, Bev. And, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what he's talking about. Right. And he mm. said, I would love for you to come through the program. And I thought, oh, this is for the military, you know, and I left. Mm. Well, this was September. And in December of that same year, I uh, came home from work. And um, tragically, my husband had chosen to end his life why I was at work one day. And so I got thrown right into another tragedy mm. of, of horrendous proportion. Um, yeah. Just remember, you know, being in that situation again and crying out, hitting mm. my knees and going, I can't believe this is happening to me. The anger that I felt um, at him for leaving and creating more pain when I wasn't even truly over if you're you're never truly over it, but I was still walking. It was still very fresh. Yeah. From Nick. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there I had to sell my house because he had chosen to complete suicide at the house. So I couldn't stay at my house. Mm. So I'm in, you know, these are all major things that they say, no moves, divorces, you know, death, all of this are major in our lives. And, uh, you know, and here I am trying to navigate that, find another house move. Um, fortunately my older son was again, home from another deployment. So, you know, had him there, but in that, as I tried to pick up the pieces again, I can remember I was sitting at work one day and I just felt this prompting that I was supposed to reach out to this organization. And I, you know, it just kept on me, on me, on me. And um, so I found the literature and I actually sent an email. And I remember sitting there at my work desk where I sent the email and, and, and said everything that he had said and what had gone on. And oh, since then, this other tragedy happened. This is probably about 10 months later. And uh, I remember hitting the send button and saying, there, get off my back. Not really. I see that it was the Holy Spirit doing that's right. And within two weeks, I heard back from them. And you probably didn't expect to hear back from anyone either. No, I mean, just yeah. No, I'm just like you know. Okay, whatever. These people are going to think I'm some you know whatever out there. And and I heard back from them, and they really they said, "Hey, Dave wants you to come through the program," and I agreed to do it. And uh, went down there and to the ranch, and I remember walking in, and there was one other girl there and the rest of the room were all these young military people right Mm. young enough to be my son and um Mm. i remember sitting in there thinking why am i here i just don't under you know what i want to go home i just don't Mm. want to be here and um stuck out the week you know and they actually Mm. on the last day they were like okay you're gonna be up on stage and you're gonna share your story with 150 people on friday night and i looked at Mm. them i said i am going Mm. home (laughs) (laughs) yeah and And, but I did it, Laura. And the reason I'm sharing this is that he did pull me into his organization and he used me with every session that they would bring the military in to share my story. Now, I didn't realize from my perspective what was happening, but when slowly, when I started realizing that these people were coming up to me, these, you know, young men and women and saying like, you know, I was that drunk driver, you know, and I'm not going to do that again, or Mm. I... 
I was going to go home and take my life. And after, you know, I heard your story and I didn't realize what it would do to my mm. wife and my kids. And, wow. uh, you know, today these people are, are still here and I'm still in contact with them. And then I realized it was just an awakening. God started using me. He used my story mm. to yes. pour into the lives of others. And then, and the whole, the huge meaning behind this is I realized when I took my, my eyes off of me, my yes. pain, and yes. I started serving others out there and mm. pouring into the lives of others, I began to heal. Yes. Yes. I love that. I, I, and even if, you know, I keep coming back to this because I do hear from so many parents and I, you know, walking with them in that whole anger with God, even if you are angry with God, his love for you is so incredibly deep. And he wants to walk with you, even if you're pushing him away. He loves you so much. He's going to orchestrate things like this, like he did right. for you, right. you know, that you kind of did it, whatever, <laughs> get off my back, having no clue that this was still God leading you saying, hey, Bev, your life isn't over. I've got right. something for you. And Nick's death is not going to be wasted. His life is going to, his legacy is going to continue because you're going to honor not his death, but you're going to honor his life by what I'm leading you to do to help others. Right. And that's exactly right. But we don't think that way, or we could even hear those words, right? If mm -hmm. we, we have never walked in anything, we can right. hear that. I mean, that's biblical. And, and we can hear about serving others, serving others all the time. But until you're in the midst of this and you're walking in that depth of pain, right. and you can't think about serving others, you know, here right. it was, it was, uh, you know, by the time that I was brought into that, it was four, four and a half years out from losing Nick and um, almost a year losing my husband. And, um, I feel like, and I was very bitter I, I, mm. and I did go into a place of bitterness from mm. his decision, because I remember thinking, how, how dare you, how dare you, you know, do this. Yeah. But, you know, I was eventually through all of this, through serving others and spending all this time, I was actually able to come to a place where I was able to forgive the drunk driver. Does mm. that mean that, and my husband, does that mean that I have a relationship with him today? No, mm. I don't feel mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I need to go travel around and tell everybody that, you know, two by two and tell people that, but, but the big thing that I didn't understand. And I think a lot of people don't understand that forgiveness is forgiveness is really more for you. Yes. And yes. It's, it's, it's a it's gift about, you give yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's about cleaning that. Um, this is the way I would describe it. Many times when I spoke is that it's like a festering wound. And when you harbor unforgiveness inside of you, um, it just continues to grow and grow. And eventually it's, it's going to come out. Either mm -hmm. you can um, turn to trying to, you know, walk into that state or it's going to come out in illness. It's going to manifest. It's in very toxic. Way. Mm -hmm. very and and your relationships with your maybe your other children your spouse mm -hmm. all of that is going to be impacted by that so um for me to stand here today and say i never thought i would forgive this drunk driver ever mm -hmm. i was mm -hmm. so so you know upset with him and after going through the court system and and i noticed that a lot you know i've done a lot of work with mothers against drunk drivers and i mm -hmm see that with a lot of the parents that, you know, they just hang on getting justice. And I remember mm -hmm. I was hanging on getting justice and, and you never are going to get justice mm -hmm. in, in any situation. Where and it doesn't give that. you peace. Even if justice is served, it still doesn't give you peace. No, 
in, no, in the way that you're wanting. Right. That's what I, and that's what I was going to say. There was no amount of justice that they could have given me. Mm-hmm. They could have condemned that person to death and it still would have not right. been enough because mm-hmm. why? Because it would not bring my son back. Exactly. Exactly. I know there's a, a common saying that I like to remind people of that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right. <laughs> it's right. just, all it, it's just toxic to yourself. And, and yeah, that is so important. And does that come overnight? No. Does that, that you know, that takes a long time, but the choices you have mm-hmm. to make a decision to move in that direction. Right. And it's a process and it's not based on how you feel about it. It's because, right. you know, you need to. Right. And so you just make that choice and you make that choice over and over and over again, however many times it takes until the feelings line up with not feeling that anger and bitterness and resentment and wanting them to pay and, and that kind of thing. It is a long process, isn't it? It is. It's very long process, but I tell you what, today I can stand here and say, I have so much freedom because I don't carry that burden in me or on my back. Mm -hmm. I basically turned him over to God and said, here, he's yours. You know what? You know, the best Mm -hmm. thing to do. You and and the thing that was the realization for me is that hey I wasn't perfect either and and I can say this that God wants him as much as he wanted me mm-hmm. and so he knows the best way to pursue him right yeah 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 that's a hard that's a hard thing to think though God pursued him by what happened to my son but that's not God didn't cause it no. God didn't it's not that God had anything to do with it. It was just sinful corruption of this world. That's how it played out. And God is so good that he's going to take that and use it in our lives in a, for a purpose. And that kind of brings us back to the meaning and purpose thing. Yes. (laughs) Some of it is our mindset, isn't it? It is. It's, it's being willing to be obedient, willing to be used in whatever way God wants to use you. Did I ever um, have aspirations to be a public speaker? No. The, you know, I was the girl in school that was like averting my eyes, hoping the teacher didn't call on me. I mean, I have a, <laughs> I, I, I did have a, you know, I've always been a chatty person and always was in trouble for talking too much, but that wasn't something that I ever wanted to do. And then I find myself, you know, uh, speaking to a thousand of our military at one time, you know, hmm. and did, but if I couldn't do it, that's what right. I'm trying to say. Right. By my own strength, could I have never been able to stand up in front of that many people or whether it's a group of five or whether it is a thousand, no matter what, and share the most painful, vulnerable, transparent moments of mm-hmm. my journey. But in that, it was like walking into there saying, God, you know who you need to touch. Mm-hmm. You know who needs to hear this. And I'm your vessel. And let's go get them. Yeah. And I you know, and I think about it doesn't have to be something that big either, right? Because I, I mean, we can be thinking I'll, I'll never be able to share my story. I am, there's no way, but it could be something even as simple as, I don't know what comes to my mind is maybe you're standing in the line at the grocery store and the person in front of you drops their list on the floor and you actually bend down to pick it up for them. Right. I mean, something as simple as that we have, no clue what that would do for someone else. I mean, what if that person has been 
in chronic pain for their back for years. And they're thinking about, I can't do this anymore. When I get home, I'm going to figure out how to end this. And you just bent over and picked up that paper for them. Right. And it just gave them hope again. Right. I mean, it can be the simplest thing that we think nothing about it, but that's still meaning and purpose in our life, serving someone else, seeing someone else that has a need, the smallest need, the biggest need, like you had someone that called you when Nick passed, you had someone that called you that just said, I'm another mom. I know, I know what this blackness is like. And, you know, I would love to just share some things with you to, to give you some hope, right? Right at ground level, you know, something like that. Well, I could never do that. Well, if God nudges you, you right. can. Right. And, and think if, if that woman had not reached out to me, where would oh, I yeah. possibly be? Yes. I, uh, you know, if she hadn't pointed me to get in the word, to, to deepen and develop that relationship and know who Jesus really is, because I did mm-hmm. not know him intimately, where would I be today? I think of that. I had an encounter last week with a lady that I was in a conversation and, and she, she just looked at me and she had just been recently diagnosed with Parkinson's and she was sharing something and she just choked up and was just ready to fall apart. And I remember I just reached out and I just touched her arm and I stepped into her pain with her in compassion. Mm-hmm. And that's what yes. Jesus always did. He steps yes. into that person's life, into their pain, whatever it was, and, and had compassion. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know that that meant so much to her. Like you said, I don't know what she was, where she was at right. in her mind or in, but that's her pain. You know, yes. it wasn't the same thing that I had gone through, but that was her pain. Yes. And I think that when we can learn to recognize that and see that in others and step out of our pain and step into their life and, and be that compassionate person for them, mm-hmm. you're right. That's exactly what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to, it's, get out of that kind of victim mentality of, well, why should I do that for someone else? No one has done that for me. Well, if you're listening to the, this podcast, someone is doing that for you right now, (laughs) you know, so find a way to, to pass on some hope to someone else that uh, can be a stranger. It can be someone, you know, just as you have a prompt, follow through with that prompt. And especially if you think I can't do that, then that's when you say, okay, I can't do that, but God, you can do that through me. So give me the strength, show me how, show me where, when, whatever. There is a book that both of you and I have both read, and it's called Man's Search for Meaning, and it's by uh, Viktor Frankl, yes. and he survived the Holocaust, Yes, went through concentration camp, and he believed that uh, our survival, when we go through something traumatic like this, depends on finding meaning in our lives, no matter how difficult the circumstance is that we're going through. And do you remember uh, what he specifically noticed about those who were survivors, those who it was like you knew they were going to make it or they did make it? Do you remember what it was that he noticed about them? I, I, if- if I remember right, it was, they, they were helping the others. Yes. They were not, even if they had a last crumb of bread, they were bringing that to them and um, willing to sacrifice and not take that. So the fact that they, 
yep, his whole focus was on the other people that that were in the concentration camps. And, and I think that that gave him a purpose, even that little bit as horrific as that was. And in the state of what the people were in there, he was able to find something probably for each individual person that he would interact with to, Mm -hmm. to bring hope into that situation. Cause it's all about hope, Laura. If we, if we lose our hope, yes, then, then we're walking into the same place that my husband walked into. Basically Mm -hmm. we can't, you know, you have to find, um, you got to hang on to that. I remember thinking, I'm just hanging on to a thread, you know, that's it between me and the Lord. It was just a thread you know, mm. some days, Mm-mm. but it, and I didn't realize it, but it was my hope. Yeah. Yeah. Just the tiniest bit of hope. And, and it is true. I think you get that a lot of times by reaching out and helping someone else in your own pain, in your own circumstance of trauma and difficulty, just finding a way to reach out and help someone else in their darkness. It does something to us. It gives hope on both sides. Oh, there is not, you know, and I have to say there's no greater, satisfaction. I don't know if that's the right word that I want to use, but I'd like to think I call, I, I call them treasures in a sense that you can walk out your door and, and, and you're going to, there's people out there that are going to need something that you have. And so it's almost like going on a treasure hunt in a sense that, you know, mm-hmm. you, God will put people before you exactly what you said. If you leave and you say, God, what is it you want me to do today? I'm saying yes to you today. Who do you want to put in front of me today? Who needs what, you know, that, that he's going to do it. And it mm-hmm. might be as small as like my interaction or noticing that there's someone in the grocery store that maybe, or, you know, you look at their cart and you know, that financially they're struggling to, to even buy decent food to eat. And um, maybe you have the ability to mm-hmm. step in and say, I'm going to buy your food today. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do this for you. And um, Hey, I just want you to, we're representing Jesus out there when we do that, you know, mm-hmm. it always gives me an opportunity to say, can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. And hardly ever does anybody say no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, it just, my mind can just go on and on thinking of examples of just the little things we can do for people around us. That's reaching out and giving someone else hope, even within our place of darkness, we can still, I, yeah, it's, it's just such a huge thing. Your podcast is called the resilient heart. So what, what does resilience look like? What does that mean to you? Resilience is obviously walking in difficult, tragic darkness, however that looks for you, but being able to come back from that in a healthy way and move forward. I don't ever say move on, but move Mm -hmm. forward and to um, really embrace life again. So yes, yes. To embrace life again. I love that. And when we've, you know, there've been a couple of times we've mentioned talking about you know, getting to a place of healing or as we heal. And when we're talking about that, we're not talking about being the person you used to be and, you know, putting all of this behind you and and going on. When we talk about healing, we're talking about getting to the point where you can function again and then on to where life has meaning and purpose again. And like you just said, we can embrace life again. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about healing. Right. Yeah. Hebrews 4.16 is a verse that I think both you and I really like. And that says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, 
There we will receive his mercy, and there we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Amen. And that's, boy, we need it most right now, don't we? Right. In the death of our child. You used the word treasure just a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. And I just want to really reiterate to our listeners that there is a treasure in you. Yes. Your life is not over because your child's life is over. And we do, we feel like we died when our child died, don't we? I mean, we just, there's a death in us that happens. And yet God's specialty is bringing life from death. Right. And we know that our child is alive, just not here with us, (laughs) but God wants to bring life into our death. Absolutely. And he has resurrection power for each one of us. And the world needs you. Yes. The world still needs you and what God is putting in you uh, through this time of darkness. And, and, and I'll tell you that treasured has a meaning to me because in Psalm 56, eight, it says that God bottles up all our tears. Yes. He, he, um, he, he writes them all in a book. So when I read that, what, what that meant for me was that every single tear I shed meant something to God so much that he recorded it in his book. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting because the retreats, you know, I I call them treasured tears because, because of that right there, because every tear was treasured. But in Isaiah 45, it it says here that, um, and I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness. Yes, Yes. And so, you know, for me, the word treasure, every time I see it, so if God has obviously had that have a meaning for me. So I search for treasures when I go out the door, <laughs> my tears were treasured to him and, you know, all of that. So, yeah. And I, I, I think us bereaved parents, we're going to have some of the biggest bottles in heaven <laughs> with all the tears <laughs> we've cried. Absolutely. <laughs> He's got our tears in bottles. I think we're going to have some of the biggest bottles in heaven. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, well, this has been really good. And Bev, if our listeners want to connect with you, I'm thinking if they go to their website, they'll find, be able to find everything there, like a Facebook page, uh, your podcast, a blog. So if you want to share your website with us, and if there is another way um, for them to connect, you can let us know. Okay. My website is the resilient heart podcast.com. And you also have a personal website, right? With your name, Bev Schumacher, oh, Beverly Schumacher.com. There yes. we go. Beverly Schumacher.com. So okay. that's where kind of where they can find everything there. Right. Right. Pretty much is okay. So before we go, Bev, I do have one last question for you. And we are in the holiday Christmas season. So what can you share with others about getting through this really tough time of year? And, and it is the really tough time of the year. And especially if it's the first year, you know, when yes. year first is going through every single situation. So, you know, again, I'll, I'll um, default back to what my friend had told me first and foremost, give yourself permission to feel what you feel. Yes. Second, don't put pressure on yourself to even interact in it because mm. for three years I lived in Colorado. So, you know, Christmas snow, Um, all of those Mm. things were Christmas and the lights and everything that I knew. And I went to Florida. Yes, I went to to Florida because there was no snow. There was no Christmas. There was, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. anything that reminded me because it was too hard and it was too painful. It was several years before I could put up a Christmas tree because I didn't want to do it. And if you're like me, you have ornaments that 
Yeah. Um, the first time that I did put them up, I sat and cried over every single ornament. Sure. Yep. Yep. Because yep. every one of those was a memory and, mm-hmm. and it was also a reminder. But you know mm-hmm. what? As I did that, Laura, and I sat in that and I cried over every single ornament, it was almost like there was some level of release in that too. Mm-hmm. That so I would say if you don't want to, if you don't want to be a part of it, and I would say to family members, I just can't. I right. can't do it. It hurts too much. And if you don't understand, you know, I hope you will support me, you know, mm-hmm. in my choices and my decision, because I have to do what's best for me, especially, mm-hmm. like I said, and we talked about this in the early times, in yes. the, you know, in the first however many years, um, if you can't do it, you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. But I think when I finally was able to do that was, like I said, after my grandson was born, it was a whole new arena, but I went to my son's house. So yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a reason why we need to connect with other bereaved parents because friends and family around us, there's a good chance they're not going to understand. Shouldn't you be moving on by now? Shouldn't you be getting past this by now? And they're not going to understand it. How can they? I sure didn't understand it before I lost Becca. And so to be connected with other parents who do understand it, I think is very helpful. Right. Is, Is very helpful. And you're right. And I think find a group, you know, if you if you can and maybe look for some events. I had one a couple of years ago. I had um, I had a dinner for bereaved moms and it was we were all just bereaved moms. And it was right during the holidays. It was between Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving and Christmas. And it was like, let's go break bread together and we'll sit in the pain together. And it was amazing how Mm -hmm. people came in and how they left in that. So yeah, just find another couple other parents that you can just go out and have lunch with or something. Just yeah, be together with someone who gets it. So well, Bev and I get it. And we want to just remind you that you can have a life of meaning and purpose again. And it's not in spite of your child's death, but it's because of his or her life. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for for joining me. I think you can tell that Bev is a very special lady. Now, there was something she said that I want to call attention to for all of us. And she said that having a life of meaning and purpose again is not going to happen through our own strength, but in allowing God to flow through us to others in their place of need. It can be as simple as stepping into someone else's pain with them. That is such a good thing for us to know and to remember and to try to follow through with that in our own lives, in our own place of grief. Bev has mentioned her Treasured Tears retreats, and I want to let you know that GPS Hope has two Hope and Healing retreats planned this spring. There is one in South Carolina. It's pretty much on the Georgia border, and it's the weekend of March 18th through the 21st. That's a Friday through Sunday. This specific retreat is for a mixed group of both those who will be attending without a spouse and for couples. It's in a beautiful rented home on a lake. Dave and I are pretty excited to be able to offer this to you. The second retreat is in April, the 22nd through the 24th. And this one is for moms only and is in the Columbus, Ohio area, Hawking Hills specifically. My nephew just got married on a covered bridge in that area, and it is a beautiful area. 
Both of these retreats are being sponsored by a family in honor of their son, Eric Breslau. So the cost is extremely reasonable for anyone wants to attend. In fact, for the retreat in Ohio for the moms, a single bed in a shared room is actually included with the registration fee. So be sure to check these out because I have a feeling they're going to fill up pretty quickly. The one in Georgia has a limit of 14 and we already have people registered for that. And the one for moms in Ohio has a limit of 17. You can find out more about them, including getting yourself registered at gpshope.org retreat. Let's go ahead and go on to our birthday segment this week. Brian was born on December 17th and is forever 26. Austin Smith was born on December 18th and is forever 30. Luke Getchell was born on December 19th and is forever 14. We celebrate with these families the day their child came into the world because we all know how important that day still is to each one of us. If you would like to have me announce your son or daughter's birthday, the week of his or her birthday, all you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. There's just a simple form to fill out with the information we need. We'll remind you, we'll send you an email to remind you in case you forget to listen that day to know that your son or daughter will be on the birthday segment of the podcast. There will be a link to this in the show notes along with a link to the retreat that I mentioned earlier as well. I know it may seem like others may have been able to get to the place of living a life of meaning and purpose again, but you don't see that happening to you. I hear that from so many perivers. It's like, I'm glad for you, I'm happy for you, but I don't ever see it happening to me. And I have heard that more times than I could ever count. I felt that way, and Bev felt that way. Did you catch when she said that she has been able to actually embrace life again and can say that life is good? How did she get there? The same way I have, by offering a thread of hope to someone else, which gives hope on both sides of that thread. As we walk this journey together, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.